0: a little bit of a a different kind of a service for us today. By the way, my name is Darren, and if you're a guest with us today, this will feel a little different than a normal worship service, probably because we have a rhythm, as Jen already said, and this is what we call a response Sunday. So... Way back, I think it was probably five years ago, maybe just a little bit more than that, we were studying the book of Exodus, and it's really interesting in Exodus when the people of Israel, they they get out of Egypt, you probably know that story, the plagues and all that, they get across the Red Sea, and you would think that after that incredible delivery, they would just keep running for their lives, right? They'd get across the Red Sea and they'd just keep going to the promised land. But interestingly, what we saw together is that they stopped, on the far side of the Red Sea, they stopped. And you know what they did? They sang. They sang together. On the, you would think like, no, keep keep moving. They stopped and they sang. And they declared to one another the glory of God, what they had seen among them. They, they took the time to respond to what God had just done. And so as a congregation and as a leadership team, five and a half years ago, we said it probably would be a good exercise for us too to not just finish, say, for instance, a study in First Corinthians and then rush on to the next thing, but rather to slow down intentionally, do something a little different that would cause us to speak to each other and to sing to one another and to reflect together about where God had taken us over this last little bit. So, uh, both the songs that have been chosen this morning, that the response time uh, here through a little bit of study, um, it's all gauged in order to be interactive. And I know, I want to say from the outside, I know for some people that's not what they want, right? I know for some of you came here and what you want is for me to talk and for them to sing and you can just sit and watch and then you leave. And I get that. But at the same time, we recognize that like that might not be what's best for you. And in fact, that might not really be what church is about, right? It might not really be about an entertainment or just sitting and watching somebody else do something. There is value in us being in this together. So what we've done. Is, uh, is over the last couple of weeks we've solicited responses from you about your aha moments in our study of 1 Corinthians or your takeaways. The places where you felt like you learned something or you're processing over the lunch table with your family or you have to go back and do a little more study or whatever. We've kind of taken your responses and we've put those together and we've kind of boiled them down to sort of five key uh, moments for reflection, right, which I'm going to go over with you in just a second. And then as we go, what then we've also provided is both a question for you to contemplate, something for you to think about and kind of go over in your mind, and also a conversation for you to have with God about that particular issue. So in each one, we'll put them on the screens, there'll be a question for you to contemplate, and then a prayer for you to kind of quietly walk through. And in each one of these sections, uh, there will be a, a moment of sort of quiet. And I get that that might make some of you feel squirrely or like you want to fidget or move around or whatever. I'm going to invite you to just lean into the uncomfortability for others of you. Uh, contemplation comes really easy for you, right? So it it might go really quick. And and then for others, it takes a long time. Some of you might not even feel like you get to the place where you're starting to pray until our moment of reflection is done, right? I, I get how that works. But there is something really beautiful in the assembled body of Christ and the breadth with which we all sort of come to the table and we bring different things. So Just lean into even some of the weirdness of it. I will say too, uh, this is a response Sunday today. Next week, we're going to go into a three-week series uh, that's kind of a spring training thing for us about the economy of the kingdom of God or the things that have value in the kingdom of God. We'll have our Easter Sunday together in four weeks, and then the Sunday after Easter, we'll jump into a couple of months study of the book of Ecclesiastes. So if you're the kind of person who likes to study ahead or you want to get you know working on it already, you could start reading Ecclesiastes now. That would give you a little bit of a jump. And then we get to the summer, we'll be doing a couple of short series in the minor prophets. So that's also coming just to sort of let you know what's on its way. But for now, let's take time. I'm going to walk you through these five things, and I'm going to invite you just to respond, to reflect, to pray in a way that that feels natural to you. All right? So we'll begin, where we should begin, with what what is most primary, right? First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 6. We studied this two weeks ago. Paul says. For I delivered to you as a first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Most of whom are still alive. Though some have fallen asleep. Down in verse 17 he says, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. And you're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. The first principle or the first idea for reflection and response this morning is that Christ, his death and resurrection are central to our faith. That apart from the death and resurrection of Christ, we are wasting our time here this morning and we are wasting our time as followers of Jesus But we believe that he has been raised. And so a question for you this morning looks like this. How is the resurrection life of Jesus affecting my daily life and the lives of those in my circle? And then for conversation between you and God, here's a prayer. Father, thank you for this victorious life I have in Christ. Holy Spirit, empower me to be steadfast, immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing my labor is not in vain. We're going to take two or three minutes for you to process that and to pray through it. And then we'll come back together in just a minute. The second principle for reflection this morning comes actually from our study last week the end of First Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, there's this short, sweet verse that actually does a great job of kind of painting a picture of the entirety of our study and the rest of the book. It says in 1 Corinthians 16, 14, let all that you do Be done in love. And what we've seen week in and week out in our study of 1 Corinthians, which by the way started in October, is that no matter what Paul is addressing in this particular church in Corinth, there is always this call to be considerate of the other person. Whether that's the other person in the church that you're worshiping next to, or the person outside of the church who doesn't know anything about your faith and couldn't care less. There is this constant reminder that everything we do has to be couched in the consideration of other people. And so the second principle for response this morning is simply that we should let all we do be done in love. The question for you is this. What would it look like for me to grow in love? Is there a specific step I can take toward attaining this goal? The prayer is this. Jesus, your love has changed everything in my life. Holy Spirit, bring to my mind the ways I am revealing your love. And show me also the areas of my daily life where I am failing to show love. Take a moment and process that question and have that conversation. Before we come to principle three, how you doing? You feeling a little fidgety? Again, for some people, this is like the best in the world. That might be incomprehensible to others of you, right? The empty space, the silence, the, the requirement to process on your own. Feel free, by the way, if you want to write some things down, you want to draw some pictures, you want to have a chat with the person next to you, like there's room for you to to process these in a way that makes sense for you. What we're looking for is truth. We also want you to push yourself a little. I would guess there may be some of you who, when we start to do this sort of thing, you think, oh man, I wish I would have ditched church today, right? What that probably means is there's room for you to push yourself in this practice, right? There's room for you to grow a little bit and to move yourself in a direction. You might never like silent contemplation. That might not ever be exactly your jam, but there is room for us to push ourselves along the way. So be encouraged, no matter what you're feeling, you're in the right spot, let's forge ahead. Third, the principle is this. We are to be united in sacrifice for the glory of God and the good of others. First Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved. 1 Corinthians eleven one, he says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. What we've seen in our study in 1 Corinthians again and again is that no matter what specific sort of principle he's addressing with them in their community, little things he's correcting or little things he's encouraging, that in each one of those places there is always this call to hold highest the glory of God and the good of other people. 10.31 is a great summary of that. So here's a question for you to contemplate. What are specific areas in my life where I'm seeking my own advantage? And how can I lay these down for the glory of God and the good of others? And the conversation, the prayer between you and God is this. Holy Spirit, give me the humble, sacrificial heart of Jesus that I may play my designated part in your united church and as an ambassador of the kingdom of God. One of the pieces of feedback I heard on a regular basis during the study of First Corinthians for many of you was the idea of how often we found places in the scripture where you've got differences of opinion, where you've got theologians or commentators who love Jesus, love the church, have a high view of scripture but disagree about how a particular sentence or a particular phrase is supposed to be interpreted. Or occasionally we even found places where no commentator is agreed on any particular translation, right? And that that was kind of a new paradigm, I think, for some of us. um, To walk into a situation to say, you know what, there are people who read this differently than me, but I can be gracious toward them, and I can also be comfortable with the fact that my own interpretation... Could be wrong, right? So I want to point you all the way back to First Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verses 1 and following. It says this in, in the first five verses. Paul says, "'I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling.' My speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstrations of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And further down in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12, it says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who who are spiritual. The fourth principle for response this morning is, we can't put our faith in the wisdom of men, but we must be rooted in the power of God revealed in Christ as taught by the Holy Spirit. So the question for you to contemplate is, how comfortable am I with uncertainty? And what is one step I can take towards trusting God in the midst of my questions And living graciously toward those who have different opinions than me. And the prayer or the conversation between you and God would be this. God, give me more faith in you and less confidence in my own understanding so that I can be more loving to my fellow man and more comfortable in my own uncertainty. Let's respond together. fifth and finally, there were some unique challenges in our study of 1 Corinthians when we would look at their culture and find it foreign. Does that make sense? Either because they were having church 2,000 years ago, or because they were in Asia, or because, I mean, there's just all kinds of things that as we walk through, we look at and go, hmm, what they were dealing with is a little bit different than what we're dealing with here. And yet, what we were able to do in the midst of our navigating was to say, what are the things that are timeless, even though our practice may be different? Or the pressures may be different between a church in the first century and a church in 2023. But the principle, or the, or what God is trying to instruct, is, is universal. So part of the feedback we heard from you with regard to this sort of fifth takeaway is the need for discernment in applying God's word to our situation in order that others are built up. Let me read to you from 1 Corinthians fourteen from our study just a few weeks ago. A couple of verses here in fourteen that talk about the need to focus on building up the church. First Corinthians fourteen twelve says, So with yourselves, since you're eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. First Corinthians fourteen twenty six says, What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. First 1 Corinthians 14.40, at the end of that chapter, says all things should be done decently and in order. It requires discernment and consideration. So the principle, we must be discerning and applying the word of God to our situation in order that others are built up. Here's a question for you to consider. What similarities do you think every church in every age have? And what differences have you seen between the church in ancient Corinth and our church today in the midst of the study? And for conversation or silent prayer, here's here's a prayer for you to think through. God, thank you that you preserve your church through the ages. Jesus, thank you for redeeming us all. Holy Spirit, give me discernment to understand and apply your timeless truth to my life while observing your unique work in people in other times and circumstances. Let's respond together.
1: we're going to continue on in our service by uh, closing this time by with singing and prayer as we usually do but before we do that we just thought we'd take a quick moment um, to have a time of confession between you and God uh, to give you a little bit of space to just bring your sins before him to confess them trusting that as you confess your sins you're forgiven because of the work of Christ Um, and maybe something came up for you as you uh, pondered those questions I know a couple things came up for me that I just needed to bring before God and lay them before him and so he uses time to do that if you haven't already um, or anything else that's on your heart and then I'll close that time by reading from Psalm 103 so go ahead and take a moment and just bring your sins before the Father Father we thank you that through your son Jesus Christ we have been forgiven of all of our sins and accepted into your presence and accepted into your kingdom so we trust in your mercy and your grace on our life And we rest in what Psalms 103 reminds us. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far. Has he removed our transgressions from us?